Welcome back to Just Pray It. This is a sermon series we're in right now, and we are trying to uncover what prayer is all about. I, I talked to you about the anatomy of prayer two weeks ago, and last week I talked about a nature like yours. And what I was really trying to get at is to help you to see that prayer can be so impactful and powerful if you get in it correctly. Just pray it. Whatever is going on in your life, just pray it. Whatever is troubling you, just pray it. But what I've been trying to help you to understand is that if you're going to pray effectively, you need to understand what goes into prayer so that when you approach God in prayer, your prayers have that impact that you're seeking for, which I think is crucial for God to really engage with you at a deeper level. Today I've chosen Romans chapter 8 and verse number 18, and I want to read from 18 until verse number 30 to give us a bit of context. And I'm reading from the ESV uh, translation. Beginning in verse 18, the text says, For I consider that the suffering of these this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be, to be revealed in us. What you're going through right now doesn't compare with what you're going to have at the end of your struggle. Take courage, my brother and my sister. Look at verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Watch this. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? You don't hope for what you see. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Now watch this. Likewise, as we are hoping, as the world is groaning, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Take note of this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the, the, is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Yes, you are a saint and get comfortable with the language of sainthood. Verse number 28. <clears throat> and we know that those who love God and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I want to tell you the topic, exposure. Exposure. Let's pray. 
Speak to us, O God, in the loving name of Jesus. This I pray. Amen. So last week I said we all have the same nature. And I was preaching under the topic, a nature like yours. What I tried to do in that sermon was to encourage you. To encourage you to execute prayer because there are no superstars when it comes to prayer. There are only those who are willing to pray effectively. There are no superstars when it comes to prayer. There are only those who are willing to execute prayer. And I said that because I wanted you to know that God is interested in hearing your prayers. Because too many of us undervalue our prayers. Too many of us underestimate our prayers. Too many of us depreciate our prayers. And that is why we think that if a pastor will pray, it's going to be more effective. Or so-and-so in the Bible prayed and he was effective. And God doesn't answer prayer like he answered in the past. I wanted to drop and crush that mentality and let you know that you can pray effectively. And you should say amen for that. Because God has no favorites. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God operates the same way and he treats us all the same. And therefore, you and I, with our nature as weak and as damaged and as destroyed as it is, we can pray effectively because there are no superstars in prayer. I, I want to get, I, I, I almost feel like I want to get into that again, but I already preached that. So I'm not going to get into it again, but I, I hope you, you, you can relate to that point. Now, as a needle is able to make trousers or a blouse, that same needle can be used uh, to inject somebody with heroin or some illicit drugs. In other words, our nature, though it is supposed to help us to be encouraged to pray, on, on, another, on another side of the situation is that it can actually keep us from praying as we should. In fact, our nature can be the very thing that is getting in the way of effective prayer. This is what Paul is concerned about in his letter to the Romans. And what I was reading to you is Paul trying to help us to see that we do have weaknesses. And that is precisely what he's addressing in verse number 26. This is what he's saying. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses or in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Are you seeing it? The Spirit helps us in our weakness because we do not know to pray as we ought. So our weakness does not allow us to pray as we ought. Our weakness makes us ignorant from praying as we ought. When you look at Paul's choice of words, when he says, as we ought, he is using the concept that means something that is necessary. He says, when you pray, Yes, you do pray, but your weakness makes you ignorant. Therefore, because you are ignorant because of your weakness, what you pray for is actually unnecessary, though it may feel necessary. Let me break it down for you. Let me, let me, let me touch you for a moment. 
Paul is saying when you enter prayer and you're praying to God, asking him to give you a new job. And it may feel like you need a new job because you want to change an environment or you want to get a raise. It may feel necessary, but you may not see your weakness for prestige. You may not see your weakness for a love of money. Therefore, you're praying to get a new job because you are not seeing this weakness. And therefore, you asking God for a new job, being driven by your weakness, is actually an unnecessary prayer because that prayer is not exactly what is necessary for you. Because perhaps the prayer should not be, Lord, give me a new job. The prayer should be, Lord, help me to be humble enough to accept the position I have and ask God to, to do that for you. Because what you really need is that humility and the ability to accept the position in which you are in. Are you following what I'm saying? So Paul is saying the spirit comes in because we have these weaknesses that sometimes get in the way of us praying correct prayers. And you and I have weaknesses. We have challenges. We have struggles. And these are the things that we bring into prayer. This is the baggage we bring into prayer. And all of us, if we are to look at our lives carefully, are studied, are ridden, and are burdened by struggles and, and weaknesses. And these things are challenging our prayers. And while we do get into prayer, a lot of the times we are praying unnecessary prayers, not because, watch me now, not because we don't think of them as unnecessary, but because we are unable to see them as unnecessary. I believe that many of us, like Ariana Grande, we approach prayer in this way. I, I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. I see it. I like it. I want it. I got 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 it. You like my hair? Gee, thanks. I just bought it. I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. Wearing a ring, but ain't gonna be no missus. Bought matching diamonds for six of my itches. I'd rather spoil all my friends with my riches. Think retail therapy, my new addiction. Many of us are in a situation in which we are praying for things. We think they're necessary, but in reality, what we do not see, what we do not understand is that whatever we like, whatever we want, whatever we want to get is really come from a place of weakness. Perhaps if we are able to really see ourselves, that new iPhone 13 would not feel so necessary because perhaps what is driving us to have that new iPhone 13 is because we are just into upgrading all of the time. We have to have the latest iPhone and the latest gadget, the latest this, the latest that we are in that particular experience. And therefore, sometimes when we're asking God for God to do stuff, we come from a place simply because we want it. We like it. And perhaps what you want and you like may not be what God wants and what God likes for you. It may not be precisely what God wants you to get. But a lot of the times we do not see our own weaknesses. We are blind to them and therefore we are asking God for things that we should not, we should not have. For some of us, our wrong perceptions is what is getting in the way of good prayer. For some of us, our bad attitudes is what is making us not pray the right prayers. For some of us, our ill habits is what is getting in the way of us making 
good and wonderful prayers. For some of us, it is in our ability to take criticism or some of us are too critical, right? All of us, somehow, something, some way is getting in the way. And so God understands this, this challenge we have. So what God did is he instituted a person to work on our behalf to help us to make unnecessary prayer and transform it into necessary prayer. Or track with me for a moment. The Spirit turns unnecessary prayer into necessary prayer. This is why Paul is saying, likewise the Spirit, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So watch this, the Spirit, understanding our weakness, understanding our inability to pray necessary prayers, what he does is he intercedes on our behalf and he, 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 he through that intercession, he turns those unnecessary prayer into necessary prayer using the concept of groaning too deep for words. In other words, what the Spirit does is He engages in us. He gets involved in our struggle. He gets involved in, in our situation. He ally, He allies with us. He, he, he says, look, look at here. I'm for you. I'm by you. I'm going to stand with you. And so he gets involved in our lives and, and in our weakness, he's able to intercede and turn that unnecessary prayer into a necessary prayer. In other words, he helps us to pray for the things that we actually should be praying for more than the things that we think we should be praying for. So allow me to give this idea a little bit more meat because the chapter I read in the the text I read talks about groaning and it talks about first the creation and then it talks about human beings. I want to make it clear for you in a moment. In verse 22 of Romans chapter 8, this is what Paul says. He says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, been groaning together, been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So Paul is saying like this, When Adam and Eve sinned, when they ate the fruit, they made the creation go into the pain into the state of groaning like a woman who is about to give childbirth to give a birth to give birth in childbirth so when you see a hurricane ravage places in the caribbean or the united states that is the creation groaning groaning in pain when you see an earthquake in indonesia that is the creation groaning, groaning, groaning. Natural disasters, whatever they are, it's the creation groaning and groaning. And, 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 and Paul is saying, that's what you need to consider everything around the world as. It's in pain. They are groaning. They're in a place of struggle. They're in a place of weakness. Then notice what he says in verse 23. And not only the creation, mm -hmm, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, so watch this. The creation is groaning and also we are groaning. People, human beings are groaning, groaning over the sins of the world, groaning over the, the violence we see in the world, groaning over child uh, prostitution, uh, groaning over corruption groaning over the pandemic, 
uh, groaning over mass murders, groaning over all these things, that the, the world is in this state of groaning. And now Paul says, the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, the spirit enters our groaning phase, enters our groaning stage. In other words, the spirit is in alignment with your weakness. The spirit is in alignment with your struggle, your challenge, whatever it is, the spirit is in alignment with that. The spirit is groaning with you over your failed marriage. The spirit is groaning with you over a failed relationship. The spirit is groaning with you over a struggling business. The spirit is groaning with you over a family dispute. The spirit is groaning with you over your physical malady and your sickness. The spirit is groaning with you with in, in, in your pride. The spirit is groaning with you in your invalidation and feeling like you are inadequate. The spirit is groaning with you when you feel like you don't want to live anymore. The spirit is groaning with you when you sigh and you say, I'm just tired. The spirit is groaning with you when you don't feel like going to work. The spirit groans with you in your situation and in your struggle. And that's what Paul is trying to help us to see that we have somebody who is not only an assistant to us. We have somebody who is right there with us in our struggle because he understands what it means. And this is what Jesus said when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you because he knew I am deploying my, my, my buddy, the spirit. I'm employing somebody who is just like me, who knows you just like me, the spirit to come in your life and in your situation. And so brother and sister, I came to declare to you today and to let you know that God is with you in your weakness and your struggle. God hasn't left you alone. He's right there watching uh, with, he's right there watching you as you struggle to count the calories. He's right there struggling as you try to, uh, he's right there with you as you struggle to pay for your bills. He's right there with you and groans with you. You know, there are people that you give them something that you own. Mm -hmm. You give them something that you own and then when they bring it back, it's broken and they tell you, oh, I broke it and they don't do anything about it. And in those instances, you feel like, man, this person, this person doesn't, um, doesn't know courtesy. How could they use what is mine? Bring it back. It's broken. You know what I mean? What's that? And I know many of us have been in situations like that. Then there are those people that will take what is yours, break it, fix it, and they'll bring it back to you. I have a buddy of mine who done who did that for, for me one time. Uh, a lot of times uh, people would ask to borrow my bike. And sometimes when they borrow the bike, they'll come back and have scratches on it. Many challenge. I mean, the, something is broken, right? So I decided to be a little conservative and not give my bike out anymore because it was getting broken too much. But I have a buddy of mine who one time uh, he, he saw that I had a flat tire. And in order for me to fix this flat tire, <clears throat> I, I needed to push the bike up a hill to get it to the garage. So he decided not to go to his class. He decided to come by me and he helped me to push the bike up the hill to get to the mechanic. And this brother is a good buddy of mine, but he, he, he really spoke to me at that particular moment because I said, Hey, here is a brother <clears throat> who 
is willing to sacrifice time in class and to come to help me to fix this, this bike. And he's going with me to the mechanic. And he wants to fix my bike because he's invested in me and my bike. You see, the spirit <clears throat> is like that. He is invested in you, not to leave you broken, but to fix you. He's invested in you, not to leave you broken, but to fix you. He is invested in you to make sure that your struggle is turned into a strength. <clears throat> he wants to take what is making you weak and help you to make that something, to make something worth from it. He wants to help you. And that is why Paul is saying the spirit, he helps us in our weakness with groanings too deep for words because he's helping to fix you and I. When you are praying, Lord, give me a new job. The spirit is saying you don't really need a new job. You need the strength to carry on in this new job. And therefore, I'm not going to allow you to get a new job. I'm going to give you the spirit and the courage to be able to handle it in your job right now. Because you having a new job is unnecessary for you because it's going to make you move to a place. It's going to make you readjust again. And you don't need an adjustment right now. What we need is to make you capable and able to be able to handle your job. Hallelujah somebody. The spirit is there to turn your situation and flip it around and make it better. You're saying, Lord, this is tough. I don't like my relationship. I don't like my marriage. God is saying, I do not want to get to give you a new marriage. I want to give you the resources and the attitude and the humility to be able to handle this relationship and this marriage. And so I'm not going to answer your, your prayer for you to get out of this situation. I'm going to answer your prayer for you to be able to handle it. Perhaps you are praying, Lord, I want to be able to handle it. God may be able to say that is unnecessary for you. You don't need to be handled it. You don't need to handle it now. You've handled it long enough. I want you out of this situation. So allow me to let you know that when the spirit is working in your life and helping you, he is going to make what is unnecessary and make it necessary. And he's going to make what you think you want and make it something that you really, really need because he can read your mind. He can read your story. He can read your situation. And therefore he is there to help you. And that's why I came to tell somebody today that, look, do not worry about your inability to pray. Do not worry about how weak you think you are. So simply go and pray about whatever it is you're praying about. And I want to assure you that the spirit is going to work with your prayer and ensure that however you are answered in your prayer is what is necessary for you. And however you are not answered, it's God telling you it's an it's unnecessary for you and therefore trust me to know that I will direct your life and I'll lead you to the place that you need to go and I'm encouraged about that this morning that when I go to God to pray he's going to help me out mm -hmm. when I go to God to pray he is going to help me out because he groans with me he struggles with me and he's there in my situation and he's going to give me exactly what I need. But you see, brother and sister, if the spirit is actually going to groan with us and he's going to be in our situation and, and he's going to be helping us along as we pray, <clears throat> we need to learn 
to create the environment in which the spirit can can work. For example, if you want a teacher to teach you and to help you to grow in a subject, whether it be math or anatomy and physiology or chemistry, what do you need to do? You need to sit and enroll in their class. And when you have sat and enrolled in their class, the teacher is able to influence your mind in that particular subject. But it's important for you to enroll in their class, for you to listen to them when they teach, and also do the homework that they give you to do. <laughs> you see, you and I need to create the environment in which the spirit is able to operate in. And that environment is we need to pray. Because as we are praying our weak prayers, as we are praying our unnecessary prayers, God is at least able to take those things and make something out of that. He's able to translate those things into something that is useful for us. And that is why you and I cannot do away with prayer. And that is why I'm telling you to pray. And that is why God wants us to pray because he cannot use us. He cannot work with us if we do not allow him to have the environment in which he can actually operate in our lives. You see, in the chapter that I read from in Romans chapter eight, Paul is talking about how we can make that happen. And I want you to see how we can make that happen. You see, Paul says it like this in verse number five of chapter eight. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. So we have two things right here. Some are set on the flesh. Some are set on the spirit. Now what happens? For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's what happens if you set your mind on the flesh. Death. You're going to die. If you set your mind on the flesh, the flesh is simply things uh, of, 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 of things that that have nothing to, to do with God. Things that don't, don't, don't encourage you to be spiritual. You know, the flesh is about getting money. The flesh is about prestige. Just just wanting the things of, of, of the world, uh, going in your in your in your natural state, letting your anger run wild, uh, just being all over and just being your natural self. That's what the flesh is. And that's death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life. And peace, that's what happens. When your mind is on the spirit, you have life and you have peace. Watch this. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it, that mind that is not set on the flesh, that is set on the flesh, does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot Please, God, you, you, <laughs> I love this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. So Paul is saying, if the spirit is able to turn unnecessary prayer into necessary prayer, we must set our mind on him. We must set our mind on him. And when we set our mind on him, 
we create an apartment for him in our hearts. Ah, <laughs> when we set our mind on him, we create an apartment for him in our heart. Why? Because our mind starts to think like him. We start to see like him. We start to feel like him. We start to touch like him. We start to talk like him. We start to walk like him. We start to dress like him. We start to manage our businesses like him. We start to engage in our relationships like him. We do our ministry like him. We handle our church life like him. When the spirit is dwelling in our lives, then he is able to impact our lives. And that is how he's able to turn unnecessary prayer into necessary prayer because he has a pulse on our life. He can see clearly who we are. He can see clearly what we are. He can see, he can see clearly why we are. <laughs> he can see who we are. He can see what we are. He can see why we are. And therefore, he's able to make us like who he is. He's able to make us like what he is. He's able to give us a real why because he's able to transform and change change our life. And so brother and sister, we need to learn how to allow our minds to set, <laughs> to set on him. Some of us, our mind is set on the spirit and sometimes it's set on the flesh. Some days we are set on this, on, 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 on the spirit. Uh, we are churchy. We want to attend Facts Cafe. We're in power hour. We are in Truth Decoded. Uh, we are posting on IG and, and, and we feel like that. We feel, we feel good. We feel close to God. And some days we don't want to pray. Some days we don't feel like reading the scripture. Some days we, we just feel like cussing people out. <laughs> some days we just feel like being mean. Some days we just feel like getting, getting at that person. But we need to always be in the spirit. Place your mind on the spirit. Place your desires on the spirit. Place your thoughts on, on the spirit. You're angry, the spirit. You feel like not praying, the spirit. You feel like not reading the word of God, the spirit. Set your mind on the spirit. Create that environment in which now the spirit is living and dwelling in you and in your life. And when the spirit is that person in your life, then he is able, <laughs> he's able to turn unnecessary prayer into necessary prayer. There's one, there's one place that I read, Paul says, pray in the spirit. And when you pray in the spirit, you're not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you pray according to the spirit, uh, that simply means pray in a, in, in, in a place in which you, 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 you're allowing your mind to come to a place in which God's desires and God's wishes are happening. When Elijah prays last week, as I talked about him, for it not to rain for three years, you know why he was praying like that? Because God inspired him to pray like that. Because God wanted Elijah to communicate to Ahab and Jezebel that what they were doing could not go on. And so what God says, I want to choke their econ economics to help them know that, hey, I want you to do right. And so when he's praying for three years, he's not praying a prayer request that is his own. He's praying a prayer request that is coming from God. How is he able to do that? He's able to do that because he has a, a spiritual connection with God. And if you and I 
can also have a spiritual connection with God, then when we get on our knees, we're going to pray prayers that are, are motivated by God and prayers that will help us to actually reach to God. You see, what I really learned is that the Spirit is able to expose us to the mind and the will of God. And I want to put it like this. Like sun exposes the sky, so the Spirit exposes the will of God. Like the sun exposes the sky, so the Spirit exposes the will of God. You and I need exposure to the will of God. And the Spirit is an expert in exposing that will. When you tell me, Pastor, please pray for my job. Please pray for this application I'm making for this new job. What you're really asking is, is this God's will or not? When you come to me and you say, Pastor, I have two choices. I have Ui and Atmajaya. Where should I go? What you're really asking is to know the will of God. You're seeking for exposure. When you and your wife are asking me, Pastor, pray for us. We want to start a family. We don't know if this is the right time to start a family. What you're asking is to know the will of God. You're seeking for exposure. And really when we pray, we, are, we should be seeking for exposure to the will of God. We are seeking exposure to what God desires for our lives. Because when we are living our lives <clears throat> in accordance with the will of God, we are at the place of wealth and safety. We're at the place where we're never going to lack. That's what I mean by wealth. We're in a place in which God is going to provide for us everything that we need, even if it becomes difficult and hard, because God never forsakes his holy people. God never forsakes his own. And yes, I call you holy people because I believe that when you're striving to live a life that is dedicated to God, what you're really striving for is holiness and you're striving for a life and a character that is like God's. Yes, consider yourself holy. I, 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 don't, I don't feel ashamed saying that. And I want you to be encouraged in that kind of life. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It simply means you're striving to be this person. And, and so when you're in that place, uh, you are in a, in a safe place. And so the, the, the other day, I came out of uh, the toll booth and and so in front of me, I saw two arrows with two orange, orange lights blinking. So one arrow is pointing to the left, one arrow is pointing to the, to the right, blinking, blinking like that. So in my mind, I thought I can go either left or right. So I was, I was in alignment with the left lane. But I crossed over and I went to the right lane. And as soon as I went to the right lane, the police officer stopped me. And I put down the window 
and he asked me for my license and registration. I showed it to him. And then he says, sir, you're not supposed to drive here. Now, we were having a language barrier right there already. So I couldn't understand him. So I just said, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I tried to use my best Indonesian. I said, I'm af, ma af, ma af, pa. So then he, he, he says to me, okay, it's okay, but I have to write you a ticket. So I says, I have to write you a ticket. I said, it's fine. So now he was surprised. He says, I have to write you a ticket. I said, it's okay. He did it again. I have to write you a ticket. He was surprised. To the point then he says, Siratus Ribu. And then I quickly understood what he meant. He's saying, look, I want to write you a ticket, but I don't have to if you give me 100,000. So now I had a decision to make. Because when he pulled me over, he had exposed to me the, he had exposed to me the will and the mind of the city of Jakarta that you are not supposed to crisscross and go right or left. You're supposed to stick on the side in which you're on. That is what he exposed me to. And what I need somebody to understand is that the Spirit is able to expose us to the mind of God when we have gone wrong. He's able to expose us. He's able to show us, okay, you went right, but you're supposed to stick left. You went right, but you're supposed to stick left. He's able to guide and to lead us and that the Spirit is that person that is exposing us to that will and to that mind of God, just like this police officer. But now, as I told you, I had a decision to make. Was I going to be written up or was I going to give up 100,000? So I'm right there, I have to make a decision and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I pay, I'm gonna be free. If I'm written up, I'm gonna struggle getting back my license and it's gonna be more of a process. So now, what do I do? Guess what I chose? I chose to pay. And many of us find ourselves at this place that the will of God has been exposed. We know clearly what we have done wrong. We know clearly the direction in which we go. But what we do is we dispose of that exposed will of God and we choose to do what we want to do anyway. And many of us are in that place that God is clearly talking to us. Don't do this. Don't date this one. Don't get in this job. Don't go and move to this other city. But Lord, I want this job. I want this person. I want to go to this city. And we insist to go when God says do not go. We insist to go when his will has been exposed to us. It's been crystallized. And we know exactly what we should do. But we choose to dispose it. And then we end up going to the place that we wanted to go. However, a lot of times we find ourselves struggling and challenged. We find ourselves in a situation in which we didn't intend and we didn't plan for. And now like a sheep that has been beaten. We, we tuck our tails between our legs and now we come to God. God, I want you to change this. Lord, help me. Lord, uh, please change my situation. When God is saying, look, had you gone in the direction in which I intended you to go, you could have been safe. But because you disposed of my will, you did not want to execute my will. Therefore, you have disposed of yourself. You have disposed your peace. You have disposed your security. You have disposed a life in which any, everything could have been okay. Now you want me to change it. And many of us are at that place asking God to change it when all along, if we had asked him to give us the strength to do his exposed will, we wouldn't have been praying the way we're praying now, pleading to God and asking him, Lord, change my situation.
There's a text that we like to go to a lot of times. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want to give this text a little bit of context. This is what the text says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We like to quote this text. When things have gone bad, we get dumped, all things work together for good. We lose a job, all things work together for good. When things are stressful, all things work together for good. But the question is, before you got into that situation, were you following the exposed will of God or you disposed his will? And now that it hasn't worked out, are you saying all things work together for good because of the fact that it didn't work out because you chose not to follow his will? Or are you saying it didn't work out simply because, yes, I did God's will, but circumstances happened and it just happened to me? So let's put this text in context. All things work together for good to those who love God. And to love God is to do what he says. To love God is to do his will. And so brother and sister, if you want God to be effective and powerful in your life, you will need to love his will so much more than your own will. You will need to pray like Jesus, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Because when you are living in the will of God, you're living in the safest place to be and the spirit of God is that individual that is able to expose to us the will of God and when he is groaning with us he is moaning uh, with us when he is interceding on our behalf he is making sure that our prayers are turned in the direction of the will of God because he knows that we are not safe if we are not in the will of God Exposure is a beautiful thing because when you have been exposed to something, the way you behave should be different. You see, I've been exposed to Indonesia. My three years or four years now counting have exposed me to Indonesia, Indonesian culture, Indonesian food, and they've exposed me to Indonesian ministry. I'm a cross-cultural pastor. Now, my exposure now calls me to behave differently. I cannot pastor Indonesia like I would pastor in Africa or pastor in Malaysia or pastor in the Philippines or pastor in South Africa or pastor in the UK. I have to pastor Indonesians according to the exposure that I've been given, that I've seen. I no longer can be ignorant to the culture but I must pastor and lead based upon what I've been exposed to. And those who struggle among us are those people who, even though being exposed to something, choose to remain the same and not change. You see, many of us have been exposed to the will of God in so many ways. But we still somehow resist and not change because we want to follow our own ways, our own wills. But once you have been exposed, there is no way you can remain inactive and not do what God is calling you to. And that's why sometimes God is not answering our prayers because he, he's already given us a list of things that he has exposed us to but yet we have not executed yet. All we've been doing is 
Exposure, disposal. Exposure, disposal. And God is saying, okay, uh, let's stop this. Let's work on what you have been disposing and let's start doing that again. What, is, what are the things that God has been exposing you to up to now that you're not doing yet? Mm-hmm. Some of you know that you've been exposed to your pride and you now need to start being humble. And God is not going to move away from that exposure of pride to something else if you do not address it. Some of you are looking for a new job, but God is saying, new job is not what you need now. What you need now is for you to learn the skills to communicate. For you to learn the skills to manage. So I'm not going to give you a new job. Let's do this. And I'm sure you, 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 some of you have even been evaluated. Uh, you, you have seen your KPI. You have seen how it's, it's, it's going on. It's not time to run to something else. It's time for you to figure this out and, and, and fix it. And that's how God works. And if you're going to take prayer to the next level, that is what you need to approach it like. As the sun exposes the sky, so the spirit exposes the will of God. What has God exposed you to that is calling you to, to execute? What have you been exposed to that you need to execute today? I want you to talk to God in a special way today and ask him to give you the strength and the courage to execute what he has exposed to you. And somebody today needs to have the courage and the strength not to dispose what God has exposed. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Teach us and guide us, strengthen us. For this we humbly pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I know that that word just did something to you. Because you're going to hear God's word and I'll be changed. Something happens. And I don't know what has happened to you, but I believe it is positive. And I would like you to take action based upon what you have heard. And you can do that. You can take action in so many ways. One of the ways in which I would like you to take action is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you have never done it before. I want you to let you know that today you can be able to do that. I want you to know that today your life can be changed and transformed. I want you to know that God is waiting to receive you with open arms. And today you can simply say, I want to get to know Jesus. And if you want to get to know Jesus, the number is right there on the screen. Reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to help you to take the action that is needed for you to be the person that you need to be. And once again, if God has inspired you to contribute financially with your resources, your money, yes, those IDRs, you can do that as well. The account is on the screen. And it is my utmost prayer that God will bless you, that God will strengthen you, and that God will take care of you. And I will see you in a GIF. Take care.